Welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where we explore what it means to be a well-rounded, happy, goal-crushing athlete. Every week, myself, sports journalist Molly Herford, and cycling coach and kinesiologist Peter Glassford interview experts and chat through all of your training questions. We're excited to have you along for the ride. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Peter, how's it going? Uh, it's good. We're indoors now, which is very nice. I'm happy to be indoors. We had a few weeks there camping, van lifing, I guess is what you call it, but uh, we're back indoors, which is nice. Yes, for sure. Also, side note, if you listened to the podcast last week, apologies for the audio. We're actually going to redo that episode. Uh, just some weird issues with our uh, just our mics and stuff. I'm not going to blame the van for it. I'm going to blame me not paying attention to the controls. So That's right. But we're, we're attention to detail here. So hopefully, you know, if you listen to it, maybe go back and we did better job maybe. And then if you didn't listen to it, hopefully you go back and listen to it. It's a good one. We talk about ice plunging, uh, a few other hot button topics or cold button topics. Uh, speaking of hot topics, today's <laughs> guests. <laughs> so for Valentine's Day, we thought what what better way to celebrate than by bringing on our favorite coaching couple, David and Megan Roche are back on the podcast. They've both been on as individuals. This is the first time we had a, you know what? I'm going to say it. We had a foursome on the podcast. We had, yeah, well, that's the, sets the tone for what's coming. <laughs> yeah. This podcast gets giggly. Um, I'm going to say about three quarters of the way through, we switched to a little bit of consummate athlete after dark. We're talking about all things libido, but before that, we're also talking about just what to do when you and your partner both have big training goals, big racing goals. How do you balance that. Uh, they're also new parents. So talking about how that's changed both of their racing goals and training goals. Uh, so I think this is a really great episode, especially for, you know, active couples. And, you know, they're indeed, I, I love just their whole vibe is so cool. And I, I sometimes I, I call it coach Glasso after, uh, you know, coach Lasso, you know, Ted Lasso, but they also love Ted Lasso. And I think our real life, you know, just balls of positivity and enthusiasm, uh, balls. Okay. Okay. I really like that you've carried this, this is like three weeks after we recorded Molly's still on it. Uh, so in any case, uh, you should check out their book, the happy runner, which we'll link yeah, to in the show notes, which is the most recommended book that we have really and, now. And I believe you can just insert cyclist or whatever you do for pretty much everything in that book, uh, up to even strides, which are a big part of that as well. So you can just do the same thing on your bicycle and it will be great. Uh, but also, you know, I, I think there's some really good nuggets of wisdom in here as well. Uh, so I think, you know, if, if you're a serious person, maybe like myself, you know, you, you might just, I, I think there's some great, uh, takeaways as well. Absolutely. All right. Before we get into it, just quick shout out to our sponsors. We're actually going to call ourselves our sponsor first. Uh, we've had a ton of our pre-made training plans just going out the door this past month. Um, don't know if it's just that we're, you know, six months out from a lot of the big races, but if you're racing, whether it's Paris to Ancaster, Unbound, Leadville 100, we've got training plans that start pretty much now and run through that event. So definitely check all of those out. We also have more generic, you know, three months to your first off-road race, base, you know, base season, indoor training, strength training focus, all kinds of stuff over in that library. So we'll include a link to that in the show notes. That's right. Yeah. And there's, uh, we'll also include the secret discount code for 25% off any of those pre-made or I prefer to call them event or goal-based plans. And, you know, they're like a map. 
you know, mm-hmm. the map isn't specific to you. You have to figure out where you are on the map, you know, maybe customize it for where you want to stop along the way. But that's what it's sort of like a map that you're buying. That's the way I like to think about these event or goal based training plans. Love it. Love it. And of course, we also want to shout out our sponsor, AG1. So if you're looking for just a really simple way of upping your health this year, upping your, you know, immunity and just kind of generally making sure you're checking all of the boxes with getting in your vitamins, minerals, probiotics, prebiotics, adaptogens, and of course, greens cannot recommend AG1 more. It's something we've been using for a couple of years now. David and Megan also use it. They talk about it all the time on their podcast as well. Some work all play if you're not already listening to that. Right. I would say they're enthusiasts of AG1. They are. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we they're like enthusiasts. It. We like it, but the, yes, I guess they're enthusiasts of Most lots things. of things. Yes. <laughs> but at any rate, I really love it, especially traveling. You know, there's just so many opportunities to get sick. And I have to admit that I feel much, much better when I am taking it on the regular. I recently had a moment where we ran out. It was very upsetting to me. Um, and we did get sick. Now we were traveling true, yeah. and holidays and visiting family, but you never know. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, if you want to take ownership of your health today, you can head over to drinkag1.com backslash Molly H. You'll get not only your you know subscription to AG1, you'll also get five free travel packs and a year supply of immune supporting vitamin D. So again, drinkag1.com backslash Molly H to check that out. All right. Without further ado, let's get into this fantastic episode with David and Megan Roche. Enjoy. Megan and David, welcome back to the podcast. We're so excited. Thanks so much for having us. We're I, so pumped. I'm like kind of ridiculously excited for this. It's been on my calendar now for about a week and I'm like, I'm just so excited. I love <laughs> talking to them. This is gonna be great. <laughs> well, I don't know if we can live up to, to the expectations, but we're we're jazzed on it. And DW is also jazzed on it. He's been like quiet on calls all day. And now he's like just down here, like growling at us. Like he knows that we're so excited. So it's putting that out it's there. It's our fair. It's it's our pheromones. Um, yeah. yeah, they're just the coming, wafting yeah. through. To dogs, to dogs only. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and actually, any small creatures, rodents even, we have a lot of prairie dogs out here. <laughs> they go wild when we're around. The mice in our walls, are, oh, we know what's going on. They are procreating, <laughs> that is for sure. <laughs> I mean, DW, DW is essentially a prairie dog. You've seen him. Short, strong, same difference. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But okay, let's let's get into serious topics of romance here. So well, we... well, so that is the Valentine's episode, and, and so we are going to. We're, are we talking about like only sexy stuff, or what are we talking about? What's the theme? How are we doing this? Theme here is really like a little bit of sexy stuff, but also like the training together, not training together, but being athletes as a couple, I think, is like a tricky thing. Okay. Uh, so I guess let's let's start with like the. The question of just like, what does your training look like? Are you training together a lot? Even you're both very elite ultra runners. Do you train together a lot or do you train separately? We don't train together that much anymore. Ever since we had baby Leo, um, it just requires a little bit more planning. And I think sometimes our entire lives now are intertwined so much um, in every single way, in the best way. It's so fun. Like we'll talk sometimes that other than the times we train, (laughs) we're never more than like a few feet apart, um, which is incredible. But also I think training, at least for me, is sometimes a good de- time to listen to podcasts like this one. And for Megan, it's a good time to listen to her playlist, which sucks shit. <laughs> but, burn. That's Valentine's Day burn. Valentine's yeah. Day burn. Okay. But I would say that like, 
compared to our other dates, I would say we reprioritize training as a date more often than other things. The other the other week I wanted to go out for sushi dinner and you're like, Megan, we should save the childcare for training. Yeah. So we do train. I would say we train together probably like <laughs> once or twice a week if yeah. we're lucky at this point, but it used to be like five or six days a week. But honestly, I feel like we're in like a healthy spot with training together. It used to be a little touch and go at times. Like sometimes, <laughs> I don't know, as a woman, it's hard to train with someone who has a metric crap ton of testosterone. It's not easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's yeah, super annoying. Like <laughs> that's both of those strike me as a lot. That's a lot, like five times, like before baby Leo. Yeah, yeah. We used to train together. All I mean, you know, we do a lot of doubles and things too, so it kind of adds up in the denominator a little bit. But um, I mean, in the old days, especially when Megan was working a ton, um, and especially when she was like, we didn't have that time together all the time to just spend, um, you know, <laughs> not talking and being quiet and and sometimes making jokes and all that, um, it meant so much more because it was a limited amount of time. That was us time that we could spend together. Now we got nothing but us time. <laughs> yeah. It's the freaking best. Um, but I think sometimes too, Megan could use a break from me. Well, we would also structure it in fun ways too. Like David would go off and do some surges and strides and it would kind of like mix up the course of the run or we would do like a warm up and cool down together and do separate workouts. And so it was like five days a week, kind of with an asterisk, but yeah. it was always fun. Like there's something, I don't know. I feel like when you're running together and then David goes and does a surge and I just get to watch like your sexy little butt scurry away. It's like, it does like break up the run in a fun way. And so I, I do miss that. Okay. I, first, I'm just going to call her on her bullshit because she says that, but at the times, especially early on when we were running together a lot, a lot, she was the one that was <laughs> yeah. causing me emotional distress because she's like the best athlete in the world. Um, and the number of times we would start runs and I'd be like, Nah, Megan, I'm two years older. I don't have that in me. I'm getting too old for this shit. At the age of what, 27, 25? <laughs> Back then, yeah. I, um, you know, progressively, she's always going to be two years younger. Well, I used to start runs so fast and yeah. you kind of protest and I would just be running 20 feet ahead of you. So yeah, we had some, we've had some interesting, we've worked through a lot of relationship stuff on stuff on runs. So. Yeah. Yeah, I I would really struggle with the surges. I'm not going to lie. Like, even if I knew he was doing them and, like, had them on the training plan, I would still just be really bitter and, like, grumpy. I like, would, but, like, I think the like once, once you did a stride, I recall, and I was like, oh, I'll just, like, run, like, with her. And she was like, absolutely not. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't do strides together. Oh. No. Like. I, I would not be able to look at his his cute little butt in the distance. I would just be like furious about his cute butt in the distance. So <laughs> well, it's actually it's kind of been nice though because sometimes recently you'll do surges and I'll be yeah. like I can slow down a little bit, <laughs> and then I'm like fresher by the time you come back. And then we do this one type of run where we're on Magnolia Road in Boulder, and um, you know it's constantly rolling hills essentially. And the way we'll structure it is on each of the uphills, I'll go and do like you know, a relaxed surge. And, um, you know, she'll just be like, Oh, David, go ahead and do this. And then I'll finish it. And I'll be like, I'm really proud of that one. And I'll turn around and Megan's like right there. <laughs> um, so it, you know, I think, um, one of the biggest places of growth I've seen is like just in Megan, like the way that she supports my training is so huge. Um, and like, it, it's just been, I felt that so much in the way we run together and things. And so, I mean, now, like in the old days, a lot of the times our runs together would be the four miles or the five miles, like the times we were doubling and things like that. Now it's a lot of the times 
it's going to be a big long run day or a time when we really experience an adventure together because one, that's when we can get childcare and make that happen. But two, it's just such a special time. Um, and, you know, sharing the special times, sometimes a little bit more important than the mundane times at this point of our journey, I think. Yeah. And I've come to like, love it and appreciate it so much. And I think I've also evolved too. And you used to train, I mean, you still do, you train a lot more than I do. And I think back when I was a younger athlete and didn't quite necessarily like have the context for people have different training philosophies. There's different things. Like, you know, sometimes female athletes train a little bit less. She says that she's my coach. So yes, yeah. different training yeah. philosophies. <laughs> yes. But similar training <laughs> philosophies, but it's like, you know, we're different people. And yeah, it used to bother me. Like, you know, you do 1.5, sometimes two X the number, the amount of mileage I do. And now I'm just like, I'm chill. I got this. And it's, it's yeah. been a fun evolution. Like it used to be really, really hard on me. Yeah. That that's, where I am, especially because he's on the bike, right? So his training week is like literally double mine in terms of hours, uh, which which can be extremely, extremely frustrating for me sometimes. <laughs> but that's one of the best parts about running. We were actually talking about that last night. We were watching the recap uh, for, we're recording this uh, before Valentine's Day. We were watching the recap of the Tour Down Under and um, we were reflecting on cycling versus running. Whereas, so like yesterday, for example, I went out for a 13 mile run, which is basically as far as anybody's going to go, um, including Kipchoge on their weekday run, you know, just their single run. Whereas in cycling, you're like, you know, you can go five hours if you really want to. I mean, there's different training philosophies. Um, but the point just being, I remember when I transitioned from cycling many, many years ago being like, well, the problem with biking is I don't know if I love it enough to put in the work that's required <laughs> to see what my potential might truly be. Um, and so running is nice in that regard because like, you know, those 10 mile runs or whatever are equivalent to going really freaking far on the bike sometimes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay. So seriously though, best tips for couples that want to train together and not kill each other. Like what's, <laughs> what is the secret sauce that's making this work? Because like, I'll tell you, we handle maybe, maybe one run a week together. And it is that adventure one, like sort of that longer one. Um, so I think that's a good tip. Just like, you know, pick one, like whatever it makes sense with your paces and stuff. So I think also, that makes how sense. do you not want to punch your partner in the face and it gets you lost in the woods and now you're going to go <laughs> like two miles longer than you originally were planning to be out and uh, oh. you don't have enough snacks? For sure. Actually, David's thing is usually he's like, oh, we have like three miles to the car. And I always double that just because it's usually closer to the estimation of the yeah. amount of time it's going to be back to the car. So yeah, we've definitely gotten in those situations. I think for me, it's a lot of intentionality. So just like really setting intentions before the run of either like this is the workout structure or we're just going to be out here having an adventure like this is pure play. And I think we've gotten a lot better on that communication front, like during the run and like staying in check, like, oh, is this too hard? Like, how are we doing on, on that? intentionality front and i think now that we've both we, we coach each other like i feel like that dialogue has gotten a lot better in that like communication intentionality structure yeah and i think just cheering for your partner harder than you cheer for anybody else on the planet like um i mean i think that's one place i've always been really good but like the, some of the pressures on female athletes in particular have been kind of hard you know like and i think they're always going to be hard in that direction usually just given the implications of you know testosterone that a guy an average guy is you know, like Megan at her, like back in 2016, let's say was probably 20% better than I was, but I was able to run, 
you know, if I wanted to, I could just run away, um, even though she was way better than I was. And that, that offset is so hard for a competitive person. Um, so I think like really grounding it in, okay, we both have our goals. We have our separate, you know, physiologies and we're going to cheer so damn hard for that other person that it's going to just kind of smooth everything else away. Um, because like at the end of the day, the coolest thing about a relationship is you have this partner that is all in for everything you do. And that's what I felt from Megan and like, you know, it's the coolest thing ever. It's like the ultimate like tailwind. And I think too, it's that like investment, as Megan said, the intentions, like, you know, if you want to train with this other person, you need to invest, like whether it's a little slower than you want it to be or shorter or a different, you know, for me, it's like, okay. You're you suggesting. Well, for me, it's actually more <laughs> the, like, like this route. And I've, I think I've gotten better with this is like, oh, I will ask you, like, does this need to be like to the letter or can we explore? And then sometimes it's like, no, we're doing an out and back on this like marked route. And I'm like, well, this is painful, but I will do it yeah. with you because that's like more interesting. <laughs> interesting than like not running with you. So I think that's Megan's point on intentions. Like what's the goal of this, this outing that we're on. Right. And, and there is the yeah. option not to run together, which, you know, as you say, might, maybe that's the best thing if you spend all the already have great quality time. When a concrete tip, um, and this goes for everybody, this isn't just relationships, but if you're in a running partnership and it's an aerobic day of any type, then the person who would finish behind in a race takes the lead, sets the pace. Um, and the other person I think needs to be extremely cognizant of never half-stepping, like never making it seem like they want to go faster unless that's a stated goal. Um, and, and that's not just relationships, like anyone. Aerobic days have no limit on how easy they can be, um, but they do have limits on how hard they can be. And those limits are usually very close. Um, so that's one thing, you know, we've learned is either, you know, Megan will take the lead or, um, all, if I take the lead, it's to slow us down. Um, it's I, mean, always... I have actually come to love that. I used to hate it. I was like, what are you doing? We're losing yeah. our Strava segment. But like, I feel like with age, I've gotten more mature and I, 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 some of my favorite runs are falling behind you when you're like intentionally slowing the pace down and it's so fun and joyful. And I've really come to appreciate that. And she's such a great athlete that like, you know, me slowing, I mean, often it's for me, <laughs> like, that's why we're doing this because like, I like to train pretty slow sometimes. And, um, also she's just so strong that like Strava segments and things like they're always going to be there. And when she's training with me, she knows she can push a little bit and, um, there's a temptation there. So, um, you know, there's, there's been many runs and also many runs where Megan's got in the front row seat for my ankle getting pancaked. Oh my gosh, half. the worst. <laughs> um, yeah. So she's seen a lot back there. You almost need to run with like a chest GoPro, just director at David's ankles, just to do like a slow mo of like the ankle just folding over itself. Actually, one he time, he has pictures of my ankles at like ninety degrees. We'll send I, it to you. Um, no, don't. I I like not in a group chat. You can send it to them without me on there. I like can't look at it because it's nausea nausea inducing. There's one. Say. There's one from Steamboat last year before That's the Run fun. Rabbit Run Hundred Mile. We were going out there to coach. We're in this beautiful Aspen Forest. And I'll often, I'll, sometimes I'll just like, you know, go ahead a little bit to take a photo of her as she's coming by. And which is amazing. And it's also why we have like 5,000 photos of me running and like zero of you, because I can't just like prance ahead and take a photo of you. you no, know, the reason we don't have photos of me is because no one wants to see that shit. Um, <laughs> but on this one particular photo, I have a, a, something of Megan's ankle, like fully folding over to the point that like oh. the side of her tibia hits the ground. But the weirdest part, and it shows how wild physiology is, is after that photo, you know, she like screamed for a minute, um, as we all do, <laughs> um, cussed in the forest, and then was able to run 
eight more miles on that ankle and had no further issues. Human physiology is wild. I have seen that photo and knowing that it didn't hurt you. Oh, it hurt. But, but it didn't bother you. Like you were fine. It bothered me. Yeah, well, you didn't get an MRI and you kept running through it and you ran 16 miles the next day. Uh, it's one of those really motivating things. It's like, no matter what happens to our bodies, there's always a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, now you mentioned like the, you know, stopped because you're hurt and cursing in the woods. How, like, what is your strategy for like when one of you is in, in a funk or like going through a bad moment? How do you, how do you handle it? Are, are you like, I'll let, okay, he needs like the 30 seconds or like a, like a try to problem solve or like a, here's a snack that would get him murdered. But like, <laughs> how do you work with that? I feel like over time we've come to like understand the severity of it. And for me, I know by how many F-bombs David screams into the forest, like how severe it is. It's almost like this like MRI clinical grading scale of F-bombs. I'm like, okay, this is like a grade four ankle sprain because the severity is high. Like you are yelling to all of the trees. These these are offensive cuss words. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) But what do I Megan? What what do I, what do I say? I usually like. Well, you're alternating. You're like swearing to the universe and then you're like, I love you, Megan. And then you're like, it's like this like very interesting back and forth dialogue. And I'm like, wow, I'm just gonna let him sit on the trail and like work through this. But the thing is, I want her to still have a great run. And I think that that's part of the intentionality of it is that um, there's a little different, like when it's my ankle or something and I'm, you know, almost always I can get back home. I want her to continue on her run not get too lost as she, <laughs> she's prone to do. Um, I mean, that that happened pretty recently on a run that we did together and you went and had a great 14 miler. Um, but I think the, the flip side of that is sometimes with Megan, she has a autoimmune condition and sometimes, um, especially when we're up at high altitude, she'll start and like her body just won't have it. And on those days, it's like, okay, let's reset. Like, let's spend time together because that's a much bigger deal, you know? So essentially it's about like, I know Megan would stay with me if I broke my leg. Oh, for sure. For my little crappy ankles, <laughs> she continues. For her autoimmune condition, that's much more severe. It's a lot like a broken leg when it acts up. Like you know, I want to be there for her, and she, you know, she probably needs her running partner to be there for her. Well, um, we've ha- we have had to work through that a little bit because I've had heart issues, and I think there's a part of David that's like, if I'm pushing you and running with you, and something happens to your heart, is it? like a function of me being there. And I think we've really had to work through that with like dialogue. And that's been, that's actually been pretty hard. Yeah, we did. I, but a few weeks ago, you did your first flat ground workout since your heart last acted up and we did it together. How was that for you? No, it was, I mean, it was good. I mean, having you as a pacer is like the best thing ever. And I think truly when I'm working out, I don't think about it. Yeah. I think it th- exists in your head and then we just have like good communication about it. Well, we do have a pacing history too. So this is like context for the listeners. Back when Megan was at Duke, um, she wasn't really uh, able to run one year. I forget exactly what happened to you. Um, but the team still wanted her to qualify for regionals. So you have to run under a certain time and the 10 and the 10K was going to be the race because you know, Megan, even without training, could probably qualify because she's that big of a freak. Um, but it was at the end of the season and there was no one to pace. And the times were pretty fast, you know, because track times now are wild. Um, so it was a, one of the meets where met, they run the men and women in the 10K together. So I got to enter as an unattached athlete. <laughs> and I was supposed to just pace like the last few laps or whatever. But Megan's athlete, Megan's teammate started way too fast. And actually too slow, which is even worse. Oh, was it too slow? Was yes. it too fast first lap, I think though. Yeah. Um, so we just ended up getting to run together for what 23 laps. <laughs> um, so we have a big pacing history too. And she paced me at uh McDowell Mountain 50 miler, the last eight miles of it uh just recently. It was so special. And the I picked her up at mile 42 and from 42 to 44 put two and a half minutes on to second place and um, just, you know, the, her tailwind that she gave me. 
Love it. Okay. What is, what is the trick to being a pacer, especially in like a race context like that? Cause Peter, <laughs> I think is going to be my Leadville pacer. So oh yeah that's what, so what exciting should he, what should he know? I think it gets back to intentionality of like Yeah. really having those conversations about what someone wants like before the race I was like tell me everything like where am I gonna be like am I gonna run behind you like how does this work and I think we I had it like we had it all formulated out ahead of time Yeah. which was really helpful um I, I'm just a soft boy that wants love and support. yeah <laughs> <laughs> That's all I want. you were so kind out there I was afraid I was gonna get dropped actually which is an interesting component of pacing And I was Megan like puts on a bib. There's no <laughs> all bets are off. I had to treat it like a race but no and I think it just gets back to that like communication structure and I think for me sometimes when I'm above lactate threshold my communication structure is very different and so I have to like plan for that and account for that ahead of time and David is usually amazing with that Yeah. So again, it just gets to talking about it. Like, um, you know, I think and, and it's just, it's not just like romantic relationships. It's all relationships, just being open and communicating. I mean, it's something we've had to learn and every relationship has to learn over time. It's like, you know, you're probably not exactly the same person. And so having slightly different views of things is totally fine. It doesn't mean one's right and one's wrong. Um, but like laying that out and being also willing to disagree and have conflict, you know, that is kind of where the growth happens. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. Um, and okay, you alluded to to it with the the autoimmune thing, and obviously, like new baby is another issue. Um, how have you handled when one of you can't run for an extended period? Because I feel like that that has to be so hard for both of you in that situation. It's hard. Yeah. I've had period, I've had stretches of like four to six months where I can't do any exercise, like including like walking up a hill. And sometimes it's hard. I mean, like, and I want, it's, it's a hard structure because it's like, I care about it so deeply and also care about David's exercise so deeply. But the reality means that I'm going to be at home and he's going to go do a 24 mile long run sometimes on weekends. And it's like, it's just quite frankly, a hard structure. And I think it just gets back to like communication and also continuing. It's like, I don't know. Everyone's going to go through this. Like David's just coming off a little bit of a knee injury right now and is like building back to training. And Yeah, you know, my little knee niggle is very comparable to your <laughs> six-month heart injury. basically the same. Yeah. It kind of is. I mean, to some extent, No, it's like... Megan, you're, the context you've dealt with is, I mean, unfortunately, you've been, like, you've grown through the fire Yeah. in ways that, like, I've grown through a 73-degree day. Okay, but It's, you... like, not perfect. It's not 72, but it is 73. Okay, but I had exponentially more growing to do. I mean, but also that comes from, like, I was never as good as you. So like, yes, I, I've done my fair share of things, but like you were the, literally the best athlete in the world at one point. Um, and you're going to get back there. But so like the context is just different. Like I have to understand that, you know, the difference between an Olympic gold medalist and someone that competes like nationally, it, like fundamentally different pressures and stuff. So like, you know, the way you've handled it has been so cool, especially around the baby, because like baby plus heart is the ultimate like stress, Actually, you baby know, does make it easier, to be honest with you. in what way? There's just like an, it's a broader, like, I don't Purpose know, I feel like, or something, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like a broader purpose. And honestly, I love him so much. And I love you so much, but it's like, it's just different. I mean, he's But, dependent, but. you know, he, you can wipe your butt and he can't. So it's like a slightly different love sort of situation. And I think it's helped a lot. Yeah. Well, during pregnancy, I, you can cut this out if it doesn't work. Um, Oh, God. <laughs> Megan was a dependent for a period of time because weird things happen to the GI tract. And every so often, like once every two months during pregnancy, she'd be like, David, come in here. And I'm not going to get into details there, but just to let you know, 
intimacy breeds <laughs> a lot of like good relations as it relates to running too. Because like, I, I think that's one advantage in an honest way that relationships have. It's like, you do have a level of physical intimacy, just like, like literal stuff, like not just, well, yeah, like that, not, I'm not gonna call it bad, but stuff like that, gross stuff. Um, and then also like sexy stuff. And all of that means that the the physical parts of running, it's really easy to let your guard down and feel totally natural and at home and almost alone in a comforting way when you're together, when you're running. And I think that that part is super cool. So don't you like how I use poop to draw a metaphor for the- <laughs> Love it. Love yeah, it. Intimacy. Perfect. Very nice. Very nice. I mean, <laughs> look, I remember when we first started dating- like I didn't want to run with him because I was like, if I have to poop in the woods, like I don't want to have to like stop and tell him that like, <laughs> that's awkward. That's uncomfortable. Or like the like, oh, I need to find a washroom like now or like five minutes ago. Like, I don't want to tell him that. So it was like a big deal when I was like willing to train with him. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> just, just FYI. Yeah, I don't know. Runners, uh, they do a lot of stuff. It's not like cyclists. We're very clean. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. We were watching tour down under and the break the break ended yesterday in the stage one when they had to go pee. They're just like, hey, we're just going to pee in front of the cameras. Actually, one of our first bike dates, we did a century together and it was just kind of this like low key boulder century, but we know it, we were leading at the front and I got very into it. And David has to pee like 85 times during exercise. I hydrate. Yeah. You hydrate very well. And he was kind of like pacing me. And I was like, David, you're going to pee yourself on the bike. You got to do it <laughs> for this like very low key boulder century. And then my body fully reabsorbed all of that liquid. Um, yeah, but actually the end of that century does show, I think a little bit of the dynamics of our relationship in, in a way that I think, you know, all relationships have to kind of slot in and it, it doesn't have to be gendered, but I think this might be a little bit gendered is so we're, we're doing the, it's called like the sunrise century or something like that in Boulder. It's a really tough thing. I've never ridden hundred miles before. I don't know if you had, you had for sure. Mm -hmm. These, of course you had. Um, and so, you know, we start a little late, we move up through the field. Megan's like an absolute monster. If she wasn't a runner, she'd be an Olympic cyclist. Um, and you know, we, we burn down left-hand Canyon. I'm just going as hard as I can because like, you know, you can push high Watts on that, even though it's a downhill and we get to the bottom and we hit the stop sign. And I just like, fail to unclip and just kind of fall <laughs> sideways. And at that point, Megan's like, all right, we have 15 miles to go. I can see that David's starting to fade. I'm going to take the front. She proceeds to attack my ass, <laughs> drops me in the last five or 10 miles, goes on to be the first finisher of the century, which, you know, it's doesn't totally random. There's not but, even but yeah. it's a cl classic example. And uh, it, I like to think what would have happened if the tables were flipped in that situation. <laughs> I was just, I was incredibly happy. Um, but, you know, it just points out to you that like, you know, there's a different dynamic. Like for me, I'm like, oh, well, what Megan's doing out here is 10 times more impressive than what I'm doing. And uplifting that is part of like, almost like being a fan of um, like the Kansas City Chiefs or whatever. You know, it's like, well, you know, if you're with Patrick Mahomes, you say, Patrick, I know what you do on Sundays. <laughs> okay, that was a really like football specific reference. And I'm not going to lie, just right over my head <laughs> yeah. i was like okay. i mean taylor swift is there like that's yeah, really yeah, yeah. all i've got about the kansas city chiefs i guess like i'm kind of i should have used travis kelsey because then i should have been taylor swift <laughs> yeah now i get it yeah <laughs> i'm caught up <laughs> uh, okay 
Loving that. And actually on that note, uh, if one of you has a bad race and one of you has a good race, this is actually like a, that's maybe not a great example because that was like a casual century, but like, yeah. I'm sure it's happened where like one of you has like best day ever. And one of you is well, maybe like, back up. Do you ever do the same race? Like, you know, Fonda, oh, Fonda's accepted, but <laughs> really, really, I don't know that. So you do the same race sometimes. Yeah, all, yeah, all the, all the time. time. I um, mean, it's like if we're going to travel somewhere, it's like we might as well both race. Like, yeah, I would say make some bang for a buck out of this trip. Probably 90% of our races yeah. um, we share, um, including world championships races. Like every time we've been on Team USA, we've done it together. Though Megan has done a couple. She's better than me. So she's done a couple that I haven't. And she's won those um, when she's been uh, in North America. But like, um, but yeah, us, all race performances are kind of correlated. Like, I, I mean, it, which actually makes sense because it's like you feel like you know, like, are we both like dealing with something like a subclinical illness or something like that? Like, I feel like a lot of the times that we've had rough days, we've had rough days together just randomly. And a lot of the times that things have gone well, we've, it's gone well together, but we've also had like mismatch in that. And it is hard. Yeah. Like remember like 2015 us 50 national championships, Megan had mono. We didn't realize it at the time. Um, and I think you DNF at like mile eight. Yeah. I was like, what's going on in my body. Yeah. And yeah. I, I had a really good race there. And, um, you know, I think it just kind of also just gets back to like, that's always going to be tough and you just kind of have to accept it. Like Megan. Well, I would be so much better at it than I was in 2015. In 2015, I sat in the car and cried. And then I like waited over to like congratulate David at the finish and then went back to the car to cry. And I feel like now I'm just, I would just be like, well, that was a tough day. But also you're allowed to hold two ideas in your head at once. Like, yes. Yeah. You can be proud of someone and happy for them and also really sad for yourself. That's beautiful. You know, yeah. and, and like, I mean, I think I realized that at the time. And then on the flip side, like, you know, Megan has won like a bunch of national championships on races that I didn't uh, or whatever. And like, for me, that's the coolest thing ever because like, you know, if I, I mean, I, if I could just see Megan have the days of her li life, it would be awesome. And then often it's just like doing races together. You get the, where you get to share the experience. And a good example of that is at world championships in 2017. Um, it was the last, it's, this is a tough day for both of us for reasons that we're not going to get into. But um, at the last aid station, I was just sitting there being like, I don't know what I can do. I went, I had gone from the very front to the very back. And um, Megan comes by the aid station after a bit, having, she went from a race favorite, having a terrible day as well. It's just like, David, you're coming with me. <laughs> and in grabs a chocolate croissant sees me grabs another chocolate croissant and then walks me out of the aid station because she knew I couldn't run. And then we got to finish that race together, which was super special. It was our only race finished together. Yeah. Yeah. It was really magical actually in the, it was magical in the shit. Yeah. Yeah. My, my ultra signup score in that one was like 20. <laughs> <laughs> it was a day. So now if it isn't apparent yet, you two are pretty special as far as your ability to be positive on stuff. Uh, you know, you do have a book, a very popular book, Happy The Happy Runner, uh, which everyone should check out if they haven't. Uh, we definitely recommend it to clients, uh, you know, sort of as a, you know, all the stuff we're talking about, the mindset and that sort of stuff. So a little plug there for you. But turning that same question a little bit around, let's say there's like a couple, I don't, maybe you don't coach couples, but I assume you have a few in, in your roster where maybe they're going for the same goal. Have you seen that go sideways or are there any special preparations you might make if someone was, you know, they were both preparing for Western States or insert, you know, the race, the bucket list race that they're all, they're both going for. Yeah. And you kind of alluded to this earlier when you were talking about like the difference in training volume, especially for like men mm -hmm. versus women. And so I, Yeah. And that's been our, my experience at least too, is just that, you know, the, what works for one person to get to something might not be the same as the other one. Right. And then, you know, yeah. 
you have to balance that with any of these other, uh, I guess, intentions or goals that they might want to train together or think they should. So you've definitely had some couples where they're like, wait, why isn't our training the same? Like, why, are, well, why that's, is that that's person it. Yeah. doing this and I'm doing this? Why do I not get this workout? Uh, so yeah, how do, have you had this and how do you handle it? We have. And I think my general reaction is like, if I give two athletes the same training, like the exact same training, uh, we should look into our coaching philosophy. Yeah. Like it's just, it's isn't so... that funny? You, you almost try and like not do it. Right. Cause you don't yeah, want to get like yes. caught. And that's, I actually found that awkward too, in this situation where it's like, you can't give them the same workout, but you're like, sometimes you just zone two. It's like, it's everyone does it. <laughs> yeah, no. And I think it's just about understanding and having faith and confidence in like individual specific preparation. And I think we see it on a broader level too, like the existence of Strava, you can compare yourself to like anyone competing in a race. And I think it just gets down, down to like boundaries at some point of having boundaries with comparison. And if it's a partner, it's like the boundaries have to be a little bit more like up close and personal. Um, but it's, it's definitely, it's, it's challenging from a coaching perspective. And honestly, we, we tend to take on partners less and less now, or like David yeah. coaches one athlete and I'll coach the other athlete, just because I think it's nice. Like we hear about life and everything from athletes. And I want that to be like a fully open conversation, much in the way that like, I think a therapist would never take on, uh, like partners, like independently, like we've, we've tried to do that. Coaching. It seems like a good idea. Like conflict of interest always stresses me out. So that's like what you're describing, but is that a thing in therapy? I, I'm not familiar. Do they not take on? I yeah. think it is. Yeah. Unless like, unless you're doing like marriage counseling or like of partner course, counseling yeah. together. Um, I think it probably is a thing. Yeah. I mean, I've heard it, I've heard it across like therapist. So I assume it's probably like a broader thing. Yeah. I wouldn't, yeah, and, I wouldn't yeah. want to have like the same therapist as you. That'd be really weird. I know. Yeah, like, well, what'd you hear just, from him? And, yeah, and, like, are they be judging me? Like I'm complaining about something. I'm like, well, that's not what I heard. Well, and as the <laughs> yeah. like dumbest person in this room, you know, like I, I think it's a coach is a coach, but like a doctor and if like, but, but that's the issue I'm talking about is like, you know, as the coach, now you do have details on both sides. And sometimes that's helpful. Uh, but other times it might, you know, it just confuses things or yeah, it just gets stressful. Yeah. yeah. And I've learned, I mean, yeah. He's been sorry. waiting for the, he's been waiting for the dumbest person in the room. Yeah, but but... That one, that was one of my jokes. Thank you for laughing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are the best. I, I was going to say sexiest person in the room. I would understand dumbest. I do not think <laughs> that is you because Leo is pretty close by. And like, honestly, 14 month old babies are so dumb. Yeah, that's actually so dumb. A summary statement of babies. No one ever talks about it. Our like, dog Addie looks brilliant. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. And it's like Leo probably is going to be a really smart kid, but oh my God. He's getting actually every day, he is like doubling. Into, it's it's kind of wild actually how much he's progressing and it's very sweet and cool. But when you start at a low from, number, yes. Yes. <laughs> gives you more room for growth. Uh, but yeah, like what I've learned with the relationships, and this is hard for me too, is like that. I want to be aggressively direct about things that I see when I'm involved, like either on both sides of the relationship or even in general. Like if someone feels like it's important to let in sources of conflict that they're feeling in the relationship, I'm not a marriage counselor, but I'm like, look, you know, this is a relationship. This is something you choose. You better get this on track, you know, in pretty much no uncertain terms. And that's something like I've had to learn the hard way, you know, coaching athletes that have in the late, later divorce. And I'm like, well, you know, at that point, I'm not helping by like kind of just smoothing over what's pretty clear from the outside. And so the same way in that I try to be direct about like training principles, if I see things, I'll just be like, look, I'm not an expert on this, but as a friend, 
like you got to start supporting your partner um, or your partner needs to support you. And if they're not, you need to talk to them about that because like, you know, we've had to have those conversations, both directions of like, this is what I need. And, you know, I think sometimes people are hesitant to do that because they feel like relationships should just be natural and come easy and just flow. But it's like, we're two different people and they, that's just not the way I think almost any relationship works, especially you know, in, in like any relationship that seems idealistic from the outside is either not at all, or if it is, has come from those people yelling at each other about things that don't really matter, but are the important thing of growth, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The number of Instagram relationships we have seen break up in the last post I saw was <laughs> them like absolutely oh, gallivanting in love. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And that's, a, that's that happens. Yeah. But that's a metaphor for everything. Even people listening to us right now, it's like, oh yeah, we have our deep shit. But yeah. Uh, yeah and also like, well, you just talked compare. about it. So yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, yes. literal and figurative. Yes. Literally 30 <laughs> seconds before I proposed to her, Megan pulled over to the side of the trail in 2014 and crapped like a horse. Yep. Just standing up. Didn't even, didn't even squat for it. You know, we had like a Strava segment. She was, was, she was on a Strava I segment. I was on a Strava segment and I was like, it's got to be a little fast. She knew I was going to propose to her and she's like, I need to get a Strava segment. <laughs> Actually, it was like textbook nervous poops. I know. I, I, you, you should be honored. I, I was am. like, my, my, I was very excited in my entire GI tract. My whole dream is that one day I would be, you know, in love enough to make a woman poop. <laughs> <laughs> like a horse. Yeah, like a horse. Like a horse. <laughs> um, but yeah, like so I, much. But I think like, you know, in talking about relationships, everyone is, every single one is different, but like every single one has unseen conflict. And um, that's kind of the beauty of it, that you can have these things and it'll be okay. Or in some cases it's not. And that can be beautiful too, in a case of, you know, growth in both directions, even if that growth is apart. Love it. Okay. Shifting gears slightly, but since we were just talking about the dumbest person in the room, baby Leo. Uh, how has uh how has having a baby shifted all of like the the training and the racing and everything and like what advice what have you learned in this last like year of new parenthood that you'd like you know tell our listeners who are going through these same same moments because we have no context we have a small dog he's pretty (laughs) portable he's loud dogs are they're good training. Actually. Dogs are very close to baby. Don't let anyone tell you that they're fundamentally different. Whenever that, that everyone that always happened to us before we had a kid, everyone's like, oh, like I, I heard a lot of like dog mom is disrespectful. It's like, no, it's not like dog. Like you're fully responsible for another creature's existence. You can count yourself as, you know, a caregiver at that point. <laughs> for sure. No, I mean, I feel like I, the amount I love Leo, like I said before, is so wild, but also the amount in which- Have I- you ever pooped for him? No. Oh. Okay, okay, don't answer okay. that question. You know, during childbirth, all kinds of things happen. That's true. Yes, I saw that. Yes, yeah. I was very excited about Leo coming out and other things too. <laughs> um, no, I love him so much, but I also love our childcare so much. And I think like by investing in childcare, we're investing in our training, in our work, in ourselves. And it's been like, I think for me as a mom, I'm so, I, I'm so hands-on. But I also realize I don't need to be hands on hundred percent of the day. And that's been like a big thing is, is like, okay, let's get childcare. Let's use that childcare to do fun training together. Yeah. And it's been, I think that's like my biggest suggestion is like, if you have the ability and it's, it is actually wildly expensive and it's a privilege to have childcare, but for us, it's been so worth it. But even before that, you know, I think the one thing you demonstrated right off the bat is that you were willing to prioritize training. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would be my suggestion is like the childcare comes later. Like we didn't have that for, you know, first a couple months, yeah, four months, three or four months is that like, you know, you have tag team and you 
this stuff matters like that. And it's good for it to matter. And just because you have a little kid around doesn't mean that you can't still care a lot about your stuff, whatever that is, whether that's training or doing board games or whatever it is that brings you passion and personality. I think sometimes people, when they become parents, just like let themselves become secondary. And the whole point is like, no, you want to model for that kid, the caring about stuff that might not like directly contribute to economic well-being is incredibly important because that's what makes you who you are. And so, you know, I saw that from Megan right away, you know, she like, I'm sure it was hard to leave him with me for a while, you know? Um, and now like, you know, childcare was a journey, but we stopped, we were able to find someone who's incredible and one of our best friends now. And that's been like game changing for things like training. But a lot of the time it comes down to like understanding that these kids have their own personalities and let them be their self, be themselves and find themselves. And they don't need either of us, like whether we have childcare or not, even when we're watching them to be like constantly over top of them being like, this is what you need to do now. You know, like just kind of let the kid be a kid and let yourself be a, you know, a fully formed kid too. Like <laughs> you're a kid too. You don't have to grow up. You can still be a kid. I love that. It's also probably hard- good advice for like, any person because we have you know we see so many runners and cyclists that get you know so all encompassed by their work too that they yeah. lose mm-hmm. like the importance of training and everything so the, the, well, actually, like actually i love that because i feel like boundaries are boundaries and it's like you can almost predict how someone's going to be a parent or like insert like you know x position in life based off of how they've dealt with other boundaries and i feel like before we I don't know. I, I wanted to have a kid at like age 20. I love kids so much, but we you know we waited a little bit and I felt like it allowed us to like practice boundaries and helped a ton. And all of this is so different for, you know, the woman, I think, especially with breastfeeding um, or, you know, mm-hmm. whoever is breastfeeding, if it's, you know, non-binary person or transgender person, like that, it's just um, a relationship that the, you know, the other part of the partnership can never have. And, um, you know, I, I thought one of the more interesting things I heard, I'm not sure essentially how truthful it is, but heard it in a bunch of places is that the baby's first word is almost always Dada, not mama. And the reason is not because they love Dada more. It's because they view mama as a part of themselves, um, for so long that they don't make a distinction between themselves and their mom. And that's so similar to the experience. And that also brings a lot of pressures that the other side of the relationship never has to face. Would you want to have boobs? Would I want, I mean, I'm not going to get into that. All bodies are amazing. (laughs) I'm like, would you like to breastfeed? (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, you know, that also gets back to like just division of labor as much as possible because like resentment can form and not, and talking about it to be, make sure their resentment doesn't form. I see that all the time, like people resenting the their partner in these situations and or like, even sometimes like the baby because like you know if it changes the dynamic of the relationship yeah yeah so like you know i would wake up in the middle of the night with megan and like she would pump and i would feed leo a bottle like that type of thing um i think helps and obviously megan got had way more stress on her but just trying to split it as much as possible is is pretty cool and also you know i, I was the one in the relationship that never wanted kids like um and i'm so happy we did and megan's the best mom in the world and i'm learning um <laughs> but like you know it's that like i think that's an important thing to say here too is like if you're in that part of it throw yourself in with both feet and all love because like it's another amazing it can be an amazing thing about life not a responsibility well, we're getting into the last sort of 10 minutes or so. So did you want to hit some of these other ones? These are more service oriented. Not that there hasn't been service in these other ones, but these are more, I don't know if they're this quick is... hits, but they're 
first of all, I was really afraid when you turned to me. I was like, oh God, is he going to say he wants a baby all of a sudden? <laughs> like you've convinced him. Oh no. He turned 40, he talked to you and now it's, now it's a thing. Uh, no, this is the consummate athlete after dark edition uh, starting here because we wanted to ask oh. you guys all about libido. Oh, oh yeah. And oh, also, I'm excited. Also, your the podcast name. I mean, I'm sure that joke gets made a lot, but it's just perfect. Oh my God, we're actually finally doing the consummate athlete. Consummate. Yeah. Consummate yeah. athlete. You got to, yeah. it's a lot. Yeah. It's the A. Yeah. 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 <laughs> actually, it's been on my calendar. And I think that's part of the reason I'm so excited. I'm like, it's the consummate athlete. <laughs> I love it. It's funny. One person who like really loves it is this older guy who runs races in, in Ontario. And he like always is like consummate. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <We're into it. laughs> Talking about that. <laughs> but seriously, uh, we have been very jealous that your podcast is way sexier than ours, uh, despite the fact that ours has it in the name. Uh, <laughs> with not intentional. Also, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Think about it, though. Some work, I'll play. Swap. Oh. Partner swapping could totally get some people through Google search through search engine optimization <laughs> that then find out, hey, we want to hear two people make jokes. <laughs> oh no. So there's probably like a lot of crossover too of like listeners that like found yours and then found ours and just got yeah. disappointed both times. Yeah. But, oh, this is just a bunch of endurance. Where terms. is this? Yes. Yeah, swinger endurance athlete podcast. <laughs> Megan's about to read a book on on what? Oh, actually there's a book recommended. I saw it like profiled on M on NPR about polyamory. And yeah. I was like, that seems like personally a nightmare, but I really want to read about it. So we're gonna I'm be, so fascinated. So we're going to be talking about- I know that will be ahead of the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah, I feel like possibly this might even go into my libido question here. My take on it is really just who has the time or the energy? It's like <laughs> yeah. so much work. <laughs> um, yeah, I can't even keep a Google calendar for myself. I it's not bring in more people. <laughs> Yeah, just way too much organization needed. Yeah. Anyway. Um, okay. So people always talk about exercise as increasing libido. Like you see it all the time. Anytime you're reading an article that's like, you know, five ways to get sexier or whatever. It's always like exercise. It's going to give you endorphins. You're going to want to have <laughs> sex. Uh, I feel like that is not necessarily the case for like the ultra endurance population to whom we are speaking. What are your thoughts? <laughs> yeah, that's like the Shape magazine take of yeah. like going out and like hanging out on the elliptical for like 15 minutes a day because my libido would probably be so much higher if I did that. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, we see it all the time in athletes and it's actually honestly like from a, like for like being real and concrete, like from a science question, it's an important topic to ask all athletes just from the standpoint of like, okay, are we training too hard? Like how is energy availability? How is stress? How is sleep? How is like, cause it's an amazing like reflection on health and hormones and life. And so we honestly like sometimes have asked athletes about it really openly and lovingly and, um, just grounding it in science too. Yeah. And I think the, the key point here is that there's an individual baseline that varies a ton amongst people. So I think sometimes whenever this subject is brought up, like sex drive and libido, everyone assumes that like what you see on HBO is kind of the baseline. And that's just not the reality, um, you know, for men or women. Like, I think that that's point too. It's not a super gendered thing. Like, you know, women can have the highest sex drive and men can have lower sex drive and that totally varies. So we're not so interested in like, where is it baseline? Like we want to know that from a perspective to see how it changes, but we don't necessarily care like, you know, we want people to have the most fully fulfilled lives that they can. Some of those people will be asexual and they might 
can have very low sex drives in some cases, and that's totally fine. Um, but changes on that are mm-hmm. hugely important, especially as training changes. And that's one point that it gets hard for endurance athletes, because if you've been training forever, you might not really remember a time before that, um, especially if you've been treating your body great. So we essentially try to identify that when possible. And then there's, you know, gender specific cues that are relevant here. Um, are you trying to say like morning erections, but struggling? I was I mean, gonna make a joke about like in a similar vein, and then say yeah. morning wood. So like <laughs> oh, that's that where be I'm going yeah. with this. Yeah, oh, yeah. we're on the, we're on the same page. No, I no, I mean you were you were starting to like pause, and I was like, he's trying to say it scientifically, and I'm just gonna spit it out. <laughs> hey, you're not gonna swallow it? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, Finally, we went there on this podcast. I'm so there. Excited. You go. So Megan, but, who is a doctor, is yeah. going to tell us about morning erections. <laughs> Double doctor, and not only that. She has literally done research that does analyze this type of thing. There's, yeah, I ask it on survey questions. Like I do research at Western States and it's a survey. Um, I ask about libido. We we ask about morning erections just because it really does give a cue into like health and hormonal profile. Yeah. And I mean, for like a, you know, personal story here, like a few weeks ago, I noticed some like that becoming more of an issue than it had been before. And Megan, like talking to her about it. And it's another thing of like talking to someone about it. But in this case, it's great because I have like the world expert here. She's like, all right, we're gonna go get a blood test. We're gonna figure this out. I got a blood test and my testosterone was good or or pretty, but my sex hormone binding globulin was high, um, which prevents some of the expression of that testosterone into free testosterone, um, which probably indicated given where I was, it probably wasn't overtraining. It was probably slight underfueling. Um, so it's been a really eye-opening experience to be like, okay, there's physiology underneath all of this stuff that we're influencing with training in the same way that we're obsessed with adaptation and performance. Like it kind of necessitates caring a lot about this stuff too, not just for ourselves, but for athletes. And so, um, you know, it's been really cool. Like, you know, the, the changes I've gotten to see in my body in a very short period of time, just from understanding that this isn't a mental decision or a mental calculus. This is literally my body doing chemical reactions that I have no control over on a like zoomed in way, but I do in like a broader scale decisions I make across the course of weeks and months way. Now, just for the listeners, cause they may not be familiar with this morning erection concept. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let either of you answer. I won't put Megan on the spot on this, but just for the listener. So the idea is that you would have a morning erection most days. Is this the idea? It depends. I think it really gets back to baseline. And I think the challenge sometimes too is, is that like baseline might be like sometimes people and athletes slip into low energy availability without even realizing it because they might've felt like they've been there at baseline, like maybe since age 18. Or low vitamin D. Yes. Yeah. A number of other things get, that can affect testosterone or sex hormone binding globulin and influence free mm-hmm. testosterone. Yeah. So it's more, I don't talk about like, okay, like you should be having morning erections. And that's also like not the way it works. Percentage of number, it's more of like, is there a change? Um, or have you noticed like a fundamental difference? And then when combining in that with libido, kind of considering that together. And it's called, it's, it's called morning, but it doesn't necessarily mean when you wake up, it's just like, you're aware of this sometimes, you know, like it, it it's not a, like that type of thing. It could be a midnight wet dream. It doesn't have to be a 5 a.m. situation. Like there's, there's gradations. Yeah, Megan, I'm glad you said that. Yeah. But, but for women, okay. I mean, women women face well, the same. Yeah, sorry. I was going to say, sorry. We've had a product idea because, okay, so we have like the aura ring, the whoop. We have all of these wearables. Could we please come together and make the dongle? <laughs> I see where this is going. I think there could be one out there, actually. I want to really? call it the dongle though, just to be clear. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've yeah, like I thought think... through this 
like long and hard about this. I'm trying and to I, remember if I, I made a joke about this and that's where it's coming from, but I'm almost hundred percent sure someone is creating something like this or it is created. Wait, you're talking about a, yes. a performance cock ring? Yes. Okay. I, I think you're imagined that in no, one of your no, dreams. I'm pretty sure. And I'm, I don't want to say 100%, Combining but science. I'm like 90% sure. Yes. <laughs> Megan dreams about like, I saw this study in the British Journal of Sports Medicine on a cock ring. That totally makes mean, sense. Could you tighten the whoop enough? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but, you know, for women, there's similar considerations like, um, you know, especially like one thing you've been educating me a lot about for athletes is how testosterone levels in women still matter. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not just like estrogen. And so all of these hormones are working together and they're influenced by training. And so monitoring them and understanding how they influence your body, it's really important because like we are hormone driven creatures a lot of the time, even post-menopausal, um, even as athletes age, like hormones play a big role in how you feel, how you adapt, um, and training is essentially like hormone storms, both good and bad. Um, and you know, so it can be really tough to balance. And I think it's one of the challenges of being an endurance athlete that people are scared to talk about. Um, and like, that's why it's really courageous of you to talk about this on the podcast. I love that we're couching it in jokes because it's a way in for people to really think about this as a serious way to understand your body in a manner that like literally no one else can understand for you. You kind of have to do it for yourself. <laughs> now, so it's sort of like just, you know, keeping track of how you're feeling day to day. And then maybe like in a rest week, you know, it's a good reason to take a rest week sometimes, uh, could, you know, rest days certainly. And then like periods of the year where maybe you'd notice like, oh, and I haven't trained for two weeks suddenly, like I'm interested in, in dating or I'm interested in whatever. You're not interested well, in dating. no, there you go. <laughs> you have all this time now. Have got this book yet? <laughs> Every rest day, Megan reactivates her hinge. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there you go. I do have like one follow-up is just like, really, I mean, you know, we've talked about it, like obviously on, you know, high volume weeks, like we're probably not going to be quite as interested in sexy good times, but like what, at what point does it become a problem? Like, yeah, I mean, I feel like that's probably like relationship and context specific. Like, I think when we have athletes that, you know, have probably like low numbers of that and have amazing relationships. And, and it makes so, sex drive too. Makes like sex drive too. So it's like, it's, I mean, I feel like it's so relationship and context dependent. And I think it gets back, it's very similar to like the morning erection discussion is like, is there like a fundamental change from baseline? And is that fundamental change problematic for both people too? That would and be my, I, yeah. yeah. And I think as it relates to the relationship before the athletics, like the relationship, it depends on like con the communication, you know, yes, like yeah. you're all in with your partner. Like, literally if you're like god like a good example is the childbirth process that is a freaking journey <laughs> and people don't talk about that either and the whole point being like you are so intimately connected to a person that you should be a hundred percent if you're a guy out there listening you should be a hundred percent confident telling your partner like this is where i'm at and similarly for women like also oh, that's sexy too yeah i mean for well, a woman that's like that's like sexy talk but if it's not across the board like, yes yeah that's important too because like i think sometimes you know people aren't really evolved on their knowledge of sex outside of athletics and that and, and one and if that happens that becomes a big problem and you know i so i think a lot of it gets back to education and communication you need to understand how humans actually behave in these settings um how endurance athletes behave and how they're affected and then talk to your partner about it in a really open and kind way and uh you know maybe not in the bedroom but like at the kitchen table um and then athletically you know really emphasize this is like 
a hormone framework for your athletics um, also improves adaptation performance. So that's why we do rest days. And sometimes we get heat on that for, from like, you know, some other coaches of professional athletes. And I'm like, you're not caring about the, some things that matter here. Like there's other things that matter that are also really important for adaptation because all of the things we're talking about in optimizing yourself for that will also set you up to perform your best um, in running or biking or any other sport. Love that. Love that. Okay. Last question. Very important. We're wrapping up here. Best Valentine's day training date. You have the whole day free. Baby Leo has childcare if needed, but he's allowed to, he's allowed to join in. What's the, what's the dream date here? Well, I think our, my favorite Valentine's Valentine's day so far is when Megan was at playing field hockey at Duke, we went and did a Valentine's day 5k where they had some cash prize for the winners and it was really fun, whatever. But the most fun part is the very <laughs> first experience we had ever had with Chick-fil-A <laughs> yeah. and I'll always remember that chicken. So <laughs> that's the best Valentine's day we've had. Well, also we got second in the couples division. That's true. But you know what? The, the first place partnership, one of them doped. Yeah. They got, they got, got caught for doping. Did they send you, did they send, they send you like a heart shaped medal in the mail or something? No, we were, we were, we were stolen from. We were stolen from. We missed out on our hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, that was a really rough. There was a was prize. Yeah, there was, oh, there was a lot of money. There was actually. a lot of money. I think and, it might have been more than that. And you know what? She ran really, really fast, like much faster than me. And I was like, I let our partnership down. And then eight years later, I was like, I feel validated. <laughs> I feel good about this. But no, I mean, I feel like, okay, going on like a long adventure date in the morning. I think the absolute dream, not this, not Valentine's Day, but like that we'll save up yeah. is we love long bikes together. Oh, so fun. Because yes. that's a place where like running sometimes you know, you're just kind of on an individual journey. Like it, it's great to run together, but like you might as well be apart when it comes to energy contribution and cycling with drafting. It's like the amount that you're a partnership out there, whether it's, you know, your partner or anyone is so cool. And so, um, I just got a new bike. Molly knows this. I'm incredibly excited. I was influenced by Kasia Niyadama. Um, oh, and it? yeah, not Matthew Vanderpool. Okay. <laughs> influenced by Kasia. And, um, you know, I'm the reason I got it is not for my running training, even though it's great. I, I like biking for runners. Um, it's so that we can go out on, you know, really long rides together this summer while Leo, um, state like my, when my parents are here or something like that, like that's the type of thing I'm looking forward to. It's so magical. I get to stare at your calves for like 80 miles. I just like, I hold his me at mile 81, <laughs> yeah. but no, I would love that. And then some delicious food after. Yeah. Love it. I love it. The delicious both... food after is like pretty key too. I have to say like, I don't run with him unless there's like snacks afterwards involved. Oh, it's so important. But our new thing this year is we're both going to get, it was a Canyon Tram, the, their jerseys, the costume, oh, yes. oh, uh -huh. their, their team jerseys. And then down the front, unzipped in the front. Um, and we, we've decided that it's going to be our vibe. She is literally one of our favorite athletes in the world. We've gotten, we really gotten to women's cycling in the last two years. So like, we're kind of obsessed with women's cycling. Also, we need to do a double date with you guys at some point, a biking definitely. date. That would be so fun or a run date. That'd be, that'd be great. Definitely. Well, we'll be out there for a bunch of time True. ahead of Leadville. Oh, so let's, let's do it. That's exciting. That'd be so yeah. fun. Oh, also good news. I have interviewed Cassia. She's just as lovely, like as she seems like she'd be. So it's always like great for me when I'm like, okay, good. You're cool. This is fantastic. I can She's love you. So cool. And we're huge sports fans in yes, general. Yeah. Uh, Actually huge bike fans. Yeah. And so we've decided. Like, we're the biggest bike fans who can barely change a flat tire that exists. Yeah. Who never race themselves. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, but we love cycling and we <laughs> yes. love, we love all the principles of cycling, love everything about it. Um, and particularly 
love Kasha. <laughs> <laughs> understandable, understandable. Uh, that's actually why Megan's like getting the polyamory book. She's like, just yeah, I know. Like, I actually the options open. We're on the same page. You think like I do? Is she I was still like, with Taylor Finney. Yeah, she is. I would make. You know, I like don't they believe in that, but I would make one exception for her. They have polycules, right? <laughs> that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Oh hopefully goodness. this gets your podcast hopefully this gets your podcast like out to some people that it's just like we're going up in the rankings here okay well tell everyone where they can find and follow you too because obviously if you're there listening if people have listened this far they should be listening to your podcast as well and <laughs> we you have a lot of fun podcasting on tuesdays together it's very much a back and forth we make fun of each other a lot lots of love lots of jokes lots of good science on there some work all play podcast uh just listen to that and support uh, Molly and Peter, they're amazing. So yeah, um, we're obsessed with you guys. Well, thank you. The feeling is 110% mutual. I'm very excited for this double date. I'm like putting it on the calendar already. Just putting that out there. Is it going to go under the title consummate? Is that, be, <laughs> are we going to label it's it gonna that? It's going to be like consummate slash swap date. So oh. like, oh, oh, that's gonna, oh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to break Google. Google's like, we know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you put it in the title. We know what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> very obvious. <laughs> Hey, I said I couldn't maintain a Google calendar. Maybe I'll be able you to will. for this. Uh-huh, for sure. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, thank you so much for hanging out with us. <laughs> oh, this was so fun. You guys are awesome. Thanks for making Thanks everyone for listening. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. If you want to hear more training, racing, and endurance sport advice, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. You can also subscribe to our newsletter at consummateathlete.com for a weekly dose of inspiration and advice straight to your inbox.